Welcome back to Decarb Connects podcast. And this week I'm joined by Dr. Bryony Livesey, who's the Challenge Director of UKRI's Industrial Decarbonisation Challenge. So welcome, Bryony. Thank you. Um, maybe you could kick us off with just give us a bit of a sense of how, how you've come to this role and to UKRI. What, what's, what is it that's brought you to this moment in time? Well, I still feel this is a really dream role for me. Um, it does build a lot on the experience that I've had up to now. So I started out in the nuclear industry. So that means I've always had a real interest in clean energy and the contribution that energy makes to um, UK life. Um, I, um, as part of that, moved into um, looking at international business around clean energy and eventually ended up uh, head of new technologies at Costain. And as part of that role, I was really involved in the work we were doing on carbon capture and storage um, and many other related activities and, and got the chance to be um, involved in, in some of the major things going on in the UK at that time. So I got the chance to see a lot of projects kicking off and becoming unsuccessful due, for various different reasons. And so when the opportunity came up to take on this role and actually make something happen, it was a really fabulous opportunity for me. Just bear in mind, we do have international uh, listeners as well as those from the UK. So just give us the, the kind of elevator pitch for UKRI and what, what role does it play in decarbonisation? Well, UKRI is the government-funded um, organisation that funds most of the research and development that goes on in the UK. So it's a massive um, amount of funding, over £7 billion a year. Um, and as part of that, um, we have one of our flagship programmes, which is called the Industrial Strategy Challenge Fund, which is around has around £3 billion. Um, so really major funding designed to um, completely transform some of the key industrial sectors of the UK, looking at all of the challenges in doing that. So not just academic research, but things like policy, economics, what new technologies need to be brought along, what have we already got, and all kinds of complicated questions around social impacts and so on. Most countries that we interact with and speak to have a similar kind of organisation. Is there much collaboration between these comparable groups or is it very much nation focused? There is international cooperation in some areas because of course all of the world is trying to decarbonise to a certain extent and, and obviously the UK has a lot of information that can be shared on that and of course naturally there would be academic shared collaborations and so on. I think a lot of the collaboration is quite informal these days um, and not quite as formalised as it used to be in the past. So, OK, let's focus in then on the kind of theme for the discussion that you and I uh, picked on, which is the Industrial Decarbonisation Challenge, which launched in 2019. So in the whole past era of pre-COVID, which now seems decades ago. But anyway, so, so tell us a little bit about how that came to be set up and, and what, what were the original goals? Well, it came to be set up after a large amount of public consultation on what the key challenges that the UK faces actually are. And many, many different organisational groupings contributed into that process. Out of that, there was a real consensus that industrial decarbonisation is one of the major issues we need to tackle and that we hadn't been doing it very well up to then. And it would justify a significant amount of public investment. 
So it came about through uh, regional conversations and then working up the business case for the investment, agreeing all of that with government and so on. And then I got the chance to take on the leading role and, and kick it off in the middle of 2019. In terms of its original goals, has much changed in the last 15 months or is it still kind of focused as it was? The original goals turn out to be really valid. Um, there's been no need to change those. Um, the goal was to lay the foundations for having the UK and the world's first net zero industrial cluster by 2040. That's still our ambition. All that's happened is that we've increased our ambition in terms of what we would expect to achieve by the 2030s. So it started out as a government ambition of having one decarbonised industrial cluster in the UK by then. But now the policy is to have four in place by then, um, all of those building on the work that we're doing in the industrial decarbonisation challenge. So that's very exciting to see. I think I could probably guess a couple of the clusters that are in the in play for, for that kind of title <laughs> or one of those four titles. Um, but it's quite an ambitious, ambitious kind of piece of work, isn't it? Um, and so the current kind of type of work, the current workflow from the um, challenge itself, what, what sorts of activities are ongoing at the moment? Well, um, we have quite a big budget of £210 million of government money, but that is not, not enough to actually decarbonise anything because the costs involved in this are massive. So what we're really trying to do is lay the foundations for justifying further investment in this area by both government and industry, as everyone's got to play a part. So what we are funding is the earlier stages of the engineering studies that need to be done. Um, these are complicated pieces of work which encompass the engineering designs, but they also include all of getting all of the planning consents, understanding the costs of the infrastructure, making sure it's all at the right scale for the region and so on. So really, really big pieces of work. And then um, the, the goal is to get each of these major projects to the stage where they could take a final investment decision to actually go ahead and build the new infrastructure. So when we did our prep call for this podcast, I, I know that you were talking about one of, one of the kind of additional kind of goals or reasons for, for approaching this at a government level is also to ensure there's good knowledge sharing uh, or more knowledge sharing across these kinds of projects. Because obviously if they were pure 100% separate from each other, no kind of link between them, we'd be missing out on the potential, you know, uh, I guess, momentum that can be created from knowledge sharing. So tell me, tell me a bit about that. Well, there's been done quite a few um, pieces of work done in the UK, which show pretty conclusively that sharing knowledge is the best way of getting costs down for these projects. And because we're talking about billions of pounds of investment, then getting the cost down is really important. So we do see it as being crucial part of what we're trying to deliver to get knowledge sharing arrangements in place. It's not simple, though, um, because I should emphasise that we've got a massive amount of public investment, but industry is also more than matching that through the investment they are making. And there are important cons commercial considerations for the industries that participate. What we're trying to do is make sure that as far as possible, we have real cooperation between our project participants and that they can learn from each other about the right way to do things without infringing on 
commercially sensitive matters. And so far, what we're seeing is a real willingness to do that. And we really try to make sure that that continues because decarbonizing the UK and decarbonizing the world needs to be a cooperative effort and it needs also to be co um, cost effective for, for everyone who's involved. I understand your point that these are commercial entities putting their money into it so there'll obviously be elements of this that are considered commercial IP but is there a way of conceptualizing the sorts of data or information that should be shared at that more public level? Yes I think it's really helpful for people to know at an early stage what works and what doesn't work of course so that people don't go down the wrong track i think things like what materials to use um things like how to get your case through planning are not particularly commercially sensitive and people are talking um, about how they might share that sort of information and then also we're really trying to make sure that important knowledge is shared with academia as well we have quite a strong academic strength to the program and what we can see in the past is a lot of academic work in this area has been really founded on general information rather than specific information which can lead to real misunderstandings of costs and benefits from different approaches and so we're trying to make sure that industry knowledge and academic knowledge really come together to benefit the UK. The boundaries then for knowledge sharing, is it more around the business model or, you know, the sense of what people might charge? I think we'll have to wait and see what emerges really. We're still in the phase of trying to encourage as much knowledge sharing as possible. And um, our, our um, industrial partners are really keen to promote that as well because they all realize that they're doing something that's never been done anywhere in the world before and learning from others will be really helpful. There, there are a lot of people who look at the, the possibility of these clusters or the way that they might develop and they're, they're quite envious bluntly you know they're not geographically close in terms of perhaps they have smaller facilities or individual facilities but they're just not near to a cluster so is, is there a way that smaller companies on sites either far from consortia or of a scale that are not included in consortia can can make some use of these projects there's quite a lot of thought going into that within our challenge you know we've taken on a massive challenge to actually decarbonize these industrial clusters and decarbonizing the whole of the UK is a little bit beyond what we can do but we are very mindful that we need to support decarbonization of the UK as much as we possibly can so we are really pleased that we have a small project in the West Midlands for example which is very remote from opportunities for carbon capture and storage to start to look at how a major industrial region of the UK could credibly decarbonize what sort of options might be available to them and realistically a lot of the work we're doing within the clusters is around hydrogen production and once that hydrogen's been produced of course the idea is that it would be uh, moved to various regions of the UK by pipeline or as part of the um, national gas grid infrastructure. And that will help with decarbonizing industries all across the UK. So we, we really recognize it is a challenge. I think some of the issues that we're addressing within our clusters will involve decarbonization through you know, pretty conventional means, you know, energy efficiencies, all those sorts of things. And I think that knowledge can be shared very credibly around the UK as well.
So it's not just the intention is not just to knowledge share between the clusters that are part of the program. It is a kind of a wider general industry across the UK. This is what's being learned. Yes, it's a really good point, And we do want to make that knowledge as generally available as we possibly can. Yes. There seems to be a lot of a lot of thoughtfulness, uh, as there is in the UK, about kind of the social balance, the social impact of these projects. So, again, talk us through this. What sorts of concerns or benefits or impacts are you kind of keeping an eye on at that kind of social level? It's an enormously complicated issue, of course. Um, we recognise that the balance hasn't been really right in the past. Um, the way I look at it is. Um, whatever happens to decarbonise the UK, there will be a huge amount of money, public money, being spent on making that happen. We need to have real public support for that. And people need to recognise that there are costs associated with decarbonising um, products and services. And in order to really make that clear to people it's a complicated question actually because a lot of people are not particularly interested in how things work and and what the decarbonization is actually physically going to involve so we feel that really trying to help our big projects to engage with the public and help them to understand that something's going on in their region that they can all be really proud of we, we see that as an important part of what we're trying to deliver and how we do that differently, we don't know, because we know there's been lots of public engagement in the past. Of course, it always goes on, but it's not particularly effective and we really need to get it right this time. So as part of the program in the academic work that we're supporting, there will be quite a lot of work to look at what kind of ways we can influence um, social impacts um, in a positive way, of course. And then, you know, we need people to understand that there will be um, impacts on jobs um, and some of those will be quite negative in some regions. But what we're hoping is that we will start to see really positive impacts on jobs through attracting new industries into these decarbonised regions. So all that needs to be planned for as well. And um, I think it is all we can do really is, is just keep that kind of consciousness of the social impact at the heart of everything that we do so it's always in mind and gradually try to move towards a position where we're really bringing the public on board with this. So, so coming back to, to you and, and the team that sits around the industrial decarbonisation challenge, so in the next year or two, this very early stage of kind of moving forward with these consultations and the um, feed studies and things like that, right, what is your interaction uh, throughout that? Is there a kind of a rhythm of meetings for the clusters involved or how, how does actually that kind of influence work? Yeah, well, we have got to the point where we've announced all of the projects that we're going to be funding with the money that we have available and we have all of the industry support for that. So now we're moving into the phase of actually delivering the projects and we don't just leave them to get on with it. We have a very regular monitoring process where we make sure that everyone's on track with what they said they were going to deliver. Uh, because, um, you know, government's already announced plans for taking a number of clusters forward. And so we need to be sure that they will be ready to uh, meet that challenge. So we do monitor them very regularly. Um, we check that everyone's on track with 
you know, how much they're spending. Of course, that that matches with the amount of work that they're doing. And we make sure that projects have things like plans for what they're going to do in the future and how they will exploit the results of the work and, and what they're doing on knowledge sharing and, and important issues like this. And of course, we're also taking forward our research and development centre as well. And what we try very hard to do is make sure that all parts of the programme work together effectively. So we're going to put a lot of effort into making sure that academics and people working on the large projects get a chance to learn from each other. And then making sure that all the local stakeholders who are working on our sort of regional cluster plans have the opportunity to participate both in the academic work and, and in the understanding of what's going on in the big projects so that this whole community can kind of move forward with a common sense of purpose, which will be really exciting to see. And then we're due to finish it all by March 2024. So we've got an end date. It's not a sort of endless going off into the future. Something will happen sometime kind of program. So fixed end date. We've got a lot to deliver by then. And then the next stages of funding will have already been announced by government to move us forward into construction. And um, for you personally, you know, anytime you take on a new role, you have your hopes and aspirations for how it might play out is it doing what you thought it was going to do when you took it on or have, have there been kind of interesting or I don't know other elements of it that you weren't necessarily expecting how, how's it shaped up versus expectation I think compared with expectations what I could honestly say is I'm really delighted that we're moving in the direction that I thought we would move in obviously that's required a lot of effort and support from a lot of people particularly through these challenging times to keep everything on track but you know we have ended up with some really fabulous projects that will really contribute to decarbonizing the UK and you know they've all got great plans and great industries behind them to make that happen and you know we're just pleased to be in that situation and we just kind of, you know, watch what they're doing and, and hope it all carries on as it is now. But, but I think, you know, the commitment of the industry involved in these programmes has been amazing. I mean, they have all had to raise substantial amounts of company funding to participate in the programme. And, you know, through, um, you know, sort of COVID times, actually getting that support it's not as easy as it might be if you can just walk into a boardroom and ask. So, you know, I think people have really pushed hard to make sure they can be part of the programme because they just see how important it will be for the future. And that's been great to see. Great. Well, Bryony, thank you for coming to talk to us about it. I, I kind of reserve the right to maybe reach out again, perhaps sort of year, a year or 18 months down the line and sort of see if there's a, an update we can have then because you're really up close and focused on these projects but even from where we sit you know kind of looking into the industry as you say we we see that energy and we see that commitment and it, I think it's fascinating I think sometimes it's not very in it's not very evident to people that don't have contact with uh the, these kind of heavy emitting industries that they're serious about it but but we see that so you know I think, I think it'd be interesting to see how, how the next 18 months, 12 to 18 months goes, because there's a lot, a lot that needs to be done. But, um, but yeah, so thank you again for coming on to talk about it. Thank you so much.